podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. The scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes round to the north. Round and round goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. The word of God for the people of God. You know those people who are always trying to fix things when what you want is someone to listen? I'm one of those people. I have to remind myself to ask my friends and family, wait, do you want me to listen or do you want me to try to help? It's frustrating, I know from experience, to talk with someone who just wants to blow off steam and they run down a list of things you could do when all you want is to be. As a North American Christian, I've run into my fair share of theologies that expect religion to be a solution. Belief fixes things, prayer gets answered, religious practice makes us happy, faith brings wealth, being kind will be repaid in kind, trusting in God leads us to the good every time. Even when I know intellectually that my faith is not a solution to discomfort, I fall into the trap of defaulting to that mindset because it's part of that culture around us. Ecclesiastes is a surprise to those of us steeped in these expectations because it is so different. Ecclesiastes is part of a genre known as wisdom literature, a common literary genre in the ancient Near East consisting of statements by sages about virtue. In the Protestant biblical canon, the wisdom literature with which we are familiar includes the books of Job, some of the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. This sage is known in Ecclesiastes as Kohelet, or the assembler, or teacher. I love the book of Ecclesiastes because it is a realist's book. Some call it pessimism, but isn't it just truth when we notice that doing good doesn't mean receiving good, some war criminals live longer than the best people we have ever known, and making what seems like a good real estate investment now could backfire when the next recession hits? In chapter 7, verse 15, we read, There are righteous people who perish in their righteousness, and there are wicked people who prolong their life in their evil doing. This book is about the limits of wisdom, the impossibility of trying to divine what comes next. 
After all, who are we to figure out how the universe works? The author of Ecclesiastes shrugs and says, what will happen is a mystery. It's useless to try to understand. Kohelet states over and over again that one way of being does not lead to any logical conclusion, such as in chapter 9, verse 11, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to the skillful, but time and chance happen to them all. I grew up with a children's book based on a Yiddish folktale named It Could Always Be Worse. <laughs> a poor man couldn't sleep well while living with his multi-generational family in cramped living conditions. Is told by a rabbi, it could always be worse. And as the man follows the rabbi's advice through the book, things do get worse and worse. It's pretty funny. When circumstances revert to how things were at the beginning of the story, everything seems so much better by comparison. The man who couldn't sleep at the beginning of the story in this cramped house is able to sleep soundly by the end. A bad situation within reason, of course, can feel less terrible if you figure out it could be worse. This is where my father's Jewish background meshes nicely with my mother's Japanese background. There's a Japanese phrase, shigataganai, meaning it can't be helped. This was useful for members of my community in times like the imprisonment of 120,000 Japanese Americans during World War II. It really could be worse. And frankly, internment was pretty bad. My mother has told me I'm not a very good Calvinist because I expect people to act out of the goodness of their hearts. We were talking about drivers. She said she just expects they'll be terrible and I only get angry because I expect they'll do the right thing. This is why I'm perpetually disappointed. <laughs> Instead of believing everything will always be terrible, I hold to the belief that things could be different. Instead of it being worse, it could clearly be better. And it could be helped if enough of us acted for change. We are not in my favorite era. I feel like every new horror could swamp us. The Border Patrol takes medicines away from children. Pregnant people in Missouri are subjected to invasive exams when seeking abortion care. People go bankrupt because they need to go to the doctor. Rising sea levels and extreme weather are hitting the world's poorest and the most vulnerable first. The people of Flint still don't have clean water. These are all preventable. Life is, says the sage, absurd. But there are some things that are assured. The wind blows to the south and goes round to the north. Round and round goes the wind. The basics do not change. A generation will go and a generation will come. But the earth is forever. Like life, the book of Ecclesiastes is complicated. It is full of contradictions, naming oppressions and exhorting the reader to eat and drink. I mean, he might as well. It illuminates the futility of desire. So much is meaningless. So much is vanity. From a word that is difficult to translate but is about the ephemeral, like breath, it will evaporate. So we might as well enjoy what we have today. This is a book that is pragmatic about the futility of trying to understand life, but insists on relationship with God in the face of it all. There is a comfort in knowing there is nothing new, that God is not the God of easy answers or logical results. The sun rises and the sun goes down regardless. 
In everything else, we see the limits of human wisdom, how absurd the quest to understand why something happens or how to predict the path forward. It might also mean whatever mistakes we make are not particularly novel. They have been made before. In the midst of the limits of knowing, Kohelet tells us that what is God's gift is enjoying the simple things today. Food, drink, love, our friends. Enjoy them because everything could end tomorrow. I happen to love this approach, which probably explains me. As a Star Trek fan, naturally, I respect the Klingon philosophy of partying hard, since death is always the next option. <laughs> but it is true that as a Presbyterian, the way of Ecclesiastes is not the only approach. Those of us who are from the Reformed tradition understand we are not people who have given up on trying to avoid making the same mistakes. As a people of grace, not works, we know that doing is not about getting ourselves eternal life or paying to play, but that those of us who are able to act do so as a response to the gift of grace from God. Our actions are not part of a simplistic and unrealistic cause-effect relationship, as in we act and God decides we're worthy. It is that God has already decided we are beloved and worthy and those of us who are able to take action for justice, for charity, for wisdom, because we are grateful to be God's beloved. What is most violating of the text is the ways in which we humans have twisted the gifts of food and drink, meaningful work and love, depriving others of the ability to enjoy them because of war, colonialism, imprisonment, and unequal access. The gifts of God are many, and our response is to work to stop the spiral of hoarding those for the few at the expense of the many. In our North American Christian culture, we have often understood that we live on a forward trajectory. Things are getting progressively better, right? In an era of increasing income inequality, gentrification leading to new segregations, and experts pointing to the decline of democracy, Ecclesiastes is very helpful. It invites us to understand life is not so tidy. Instead, we are invited to live on the edge, recognizing there are constants like God in the midst of a world that can be terrible and illogical. Wisdom reminds us that there is nothing new under the sun. We have survived this before. It could always be worse. God has given us everyday reminders that we are beloved. Embrace life. We are gifted with love, friendship, food, drink, and community and our gratitude drives us to work for others so they can enjoy these gifts. Amen.